Hi everybody, John Penry here. I'm the Technical and Innovation Manager at Dairy Australia. With me today for this edition of DairyPod is John Droppett, who is the Industry Insights Analysis Manager at Dairy Australia. G'day John. G'day John, pleasure to be on. Thanks very much for putting the time aside. John, the topic for today is to look at uh, the Situation and Outlook Report, which has just been released for 2022. If you're in an elevator with someone and you're explaining what the Situation and Outlook Report is, how would you do it? Well, basically, I'd um, describe the SNO as being, you know, the, the overview document for what's happening with markets uh, at the moment. So it's it's not a um, it's not a particularly deep dive into anything. Um, it, it sort of covers the whole supply chain and uh, and the overall situation and. and the idea is really to um, to get a handle on what are the key things to watch out for in the coming period. So, um, again, we, we look at everything uh, with, a, with a fairly broad brush and then we, we, we chuck a few articles in there on some what we think are some of the key things that are uh, coming over the horizon in the short term. Okay, so we know that um, in this season, you know, we're going into spring. Uh, the season is gaining momentum because of the spring flush coming through. We know that we've got... Um, high, in fact, um, record high farm gate milk prices. And we also know that we've come off a couple of years with pretty favourable operating conditions for most parts of Australia. This in turn um, has infused some confidence in the, into the industry. How is those factors, how have those factors been reflected in the SNO report? Yeah, so, you know, to your point, we're seeing um, some real momentum around, uh, around confidence. Uh, around you know farm gate price, so really um, really tight milk supplies, and we you know most people will know that milk production finished the last season down around three and a half percent, and so that's that's driven you know really stiff competition amongst processors to um, you know to lock in milk supplies for the for the new season. So uh, really strong farm gate prices off the back of that, and those farm gate prices too were set uh, at a time where you know global commodity markets were very strong, and they're they're still strong, but they've backed off a bit since since June. Um, so, so yeah, some really, really positive signs there for, uh, you know, for the headline numbers. Uh, of course, you know, not without caveats around costs and, and weather. And, you know, we'll obviously talk about that in a few minutes. But, um, um, yeah, this, this SNO is really trying to, um, trying to reflect those, those headline signals. Uh, but amidst that, we're, we're still fairly conservative around milk production forecast. You know, we, we don't expect milk production to grow this season. Um, you know, even even though we're seeing you know the, the sorts of the sorts of numbers around farm gate price, for example, you know, uh, I, I remember farmers not that long ago saying, "Oh, if only I had a six dollar fifty milk price, or if only I had a seven dollar fifty uh, seven dollar milk price." Uh, or you know, we're now we're at nine dollars fifty, and uh, um, you know, so so that 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 in isolation is is a fantastic outcome. But of course, you know, these things don't operate in isolation, and. Uh, you know, both a product of uh, the lack of growth in milk production, but also, um, you know, we don't expect to see that alone generate growth in milk production this season. We know that um, in certainly in the last 12 months anyway, we've had a La Nina weather pattern and it looks like we might be heading into another one of those in the coming uh, season. And obviously that climatic um, set of conditions will probably have regional effects on how much homegrown feed has been produced in some places positive in other places it's created challenges is that reflected at all in the in the SNO um, given that um, homegrown feed 
um, is such a large part of the um, production costs. Yeah, absolutely. Homegrown feed, you know, is is, is critically important as as everyone knows. But also at the moment where uh, fertilizer prices are so high, um, you know, you, you don't want to apply that fertilizer and then have moisture become the limiting factor. Um, you know, and suppress the the response you get from that fertilizer. So. Um, yeah, yeah, we see La Nina as uh, as an important driver at the moment, both directly on farm, but also, um, you know, also in the cropping regions. Um, now it could it could turn around and um, create some havoc through you know late spring and into summer when the harvest period is uh, is really underway. Now again, even that can be a, a a pro or a con. You know, if you see large volumes of grain downgraded to feed, that can um, you know that can that can be a positive for dairy farmers, or if it's ruined entirely, it can be a that can be a net negative. So, um, you know, La Nina really throws a bit of uh, uh, it throws a, a bit of uncertainty into the system, uh, but it tends to be a net positive. And uh, um, we should, of course, call out those farmers in you know New South Wales and Queensland in particular who um, could do with a hell of a lot less rain right now, um, and have been dealing with you know really wet. Um, Conditions, you know, and with intermittent flooding on top of that uh, for for quite a few months now. But uh, uh, but for most farmers, even though you know it, it could it could deal with a little, little less mud this time of year, but I think heading into spring summer, uh, having that moisture and soil profiles really um, you know it really adds a, a huge shot of potential to the season. So you've already mentioned some of the uh, input costs in this case, uh, fertilizer, but amongst some of the other well-recognised input costs on typical farms. Um, how has the SNO report reflected on those this time around? And further to that, um, what sort of commentary exists around all of the restrictions around workforce availability that many industries are seeing? Yeah, so we really, um, you know, we, we pulled out input costs as a, uh, as a, as a focus article in, in, in the September SNO. And um, again, it's it's a high level analysis because every farm in you know in, in every different region is is facing its own circumstances. But um, there's some real global consistencies around inputs at the moment. You know, the, the skyrocketing fertilizer prices off the back of high energy costs. Um, you know, high grain prices. You know, again off the back of uh, the uh, the invasion of Ukraine and you know the restrictions on Ukrainian exports and 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 Russian exports as well. Um, coming out of that, That's, those are those are consistent factors uh, globally. But then we have secondary impacts. So uh, you know we expect hay prices to have a bit of momentum uh, under them this season because you know because fertilizer and fuel are more expensive, and so those costs uh, tend to flow through. So um, you know, while while probably the you know the sort of dramatic increases that we saw late last year and early this year are you know the majority of that upward movement. Um, we continue to see real volatility and huge, huge degrees of volatility, particularly for things like fertilizer. You know, two hundred dollars US a ton. Either way, um, can can again throw complexity into the equation. Um, you know, that aside, um, you know, workforce, as you mentioned, is is the other critical issue at the moment, and that really came out in the National Dairy Farmers Survey, which uh, which we talked a bit more about in uh, in in the May in the May situation outlook report. Um, but of course, you know, it's, it's a constraint that's, that's been with us for many years, but been critical in the last two um, during the pandemic. 
Um, and way with the lens we're looking through that at the moment in this report is that it's a real constraint on milk production. So a lot of farmers that might milk a few more cows or, or look to expand are in fact, um, you know, contracting or selling even um, because they can't get the labour. And there's only so much work an individual can do, no matter no matter what margin they're being offered and what other enabling factors there are. So, um, yeah, workforce is is one that we continue to hear about, and um, and you know remains a really a really critical issue at the moment. Well, picking up on that thread around how uh, workforce might be in part constraining milk production into the near future. Can you give us some insight into what the uh, report is saying around? potential regional differences in the projection of milk production um, across the country? Yeah, so we see, um, as I said before, you know, we don't see a whole lot of um, a whole lot of growth potential this season uh, at, at the national level. Um, you know, on, on one hand, again, that seems ridiculous given the uh, um, given the high farm gate prices, given the, you know, the pretty favourable seasonal outlook. Um, you know, of course, you know, costs are Costs are up there, and uh, you know, costs to low costs are at huge levels at the moment. But nonetheless, for many farmers, it's going to be a you know pretty profitable season. Um, but that being said, you know, we 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 see um, we, we don't see any growth, and for some people, that's probably too optimistic. You know, that you see herd dispersals happening, and uh, and there are farms selling up that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be selling up. And so, um, you know, on on one hand, it seems too optimistic. On the other hand, it's uh, it's a very conservative forecast. Um, there are there are differences, of course, between regions, and um, particularly you know Tassie, for instance, that saw uh, milk production really um, have the handbrake thrown on over summer uh, when the you know when pasture pasture growth uh, really dropped away, and, uh, and and then you know the shoulder period sort of just kept falling. So we um, you know we see Tassie bouncing back pretty quickly. Um, you know new season, new uh, uh, new pasture curve as as it were. Uh, places like you know, if you take the opposite end of the spectrum, New South Wales, Queensland, with all that you know, all that flood damage, and 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 a lot of farmers really, um, you know, again the opposite. You know, you're not just starting a new season and everything's kind of fresh. It's it's dealing with dealing with damage, dealing with um, you know ongoing wet conditions, and 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 I think for for some farmers, you know, deciding whether they, uh, you know, whether they whether they continue farming or whether they continue their operations as there are. So. Those are probably the two ends of the spectrum. You know, Victoria is really somewhere in between. Um, a lot of Victorian regions have had uh, had fantastic conditions this season, and um, and from an operational perspective, are in a in a really good place. You know, caught up on caught up on the maintenance. Um, you know, and and got some got some fuel in the tank. But again, you know, just being held back by labour and input costs. What sort of things does the SNO report tell us, John, around um, how dairy processes, on one hand, have got uh, record high farm gate prices that they're paying out um, against what sort of um, funds they've got coming in through the sale of their manufactured products or their or their retail lines? Does the SNO report give us some insights into into how that's situated for the processes? Yes, yeah, so obviously, you know, we don't. Um... We don't see the books of, of any processes beyond what's um, you know what's what's reported to the stock market and, and so on and so forth. But uh, you know you don't have to kind of be a genius to look at the look at the headline numbers. You know milk price is um, is thirty percent higher and is is set for the season under the dairy code. Um, commodity markets are dropping away, um, and so there's uh, there is a there is a margin crunch there. Um, 
That being said, a lot of processes will have uh, will have forward sold product. Uh, you know, many processes have a, a strong exposure to the domestic market. But even in the domestic market, um, prices are a lot more stable, um, and you uh, you know you can see you can push cost increases through, and we're seeing that on the supermarket shelf. So you know, dairy dairy prices as a as a category on the supermarket shelf are up around five percent compared to last year. Uh, but again, you compare that five percent to a you know thirty percent increase in farm gate prices. Um, again, there's 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 obviously a there's obviously a margin compression happening there, and that's um, you know that's not taking into account other costs that you know the farmers are familiar with, you know, for uh, fuel increases, for example, and uh, you know energy in general. So uh, we see things looking tighter for processes. Um, some of them have had real success passing costs through um, the supply chain. Others, um, others have struggled, and you know, from time to time, you see that correspondence uh, come across the desk. Um, there, there's a, a really contradictory situation, in a sense, been playing out the last few months, where um, you know these high farm gate prices have been flowing through the supply chain at the same time, where um, you know headline indicators like global dairy trade have been dropping. So, uh, uh, so a processor that. Uh, or a food manufacturer, not even necessarily a milk processor, but uh, manufacturers that are passing on cost increases or trying to pass on cost increases are doing so in an environment where you know the retailer or the um, you know the buyer of that product is looking at global dairy markets in inverted commas and they're falling. So they're saying, well, why are you trying to increase the price? We we see commodity prices going down, and so that leads to a lot of back and forth, and um, I think it's a lot of uncertainty about where that margin is going to be shared. Um, uh, which you know, which has no impact on farmers day to day, but over time, obviously, there's going to be winners and losers in that process. What does the report tell us around um, both climatic conditions around the globe, looking into the near future, along with potentially uh, geopolitical changes that have occurred in the last couple of months? How does the report reflect on those relative to either opportunities or headwinds for Australian dairy producers? selling into the overseas markets yeah well you know both of those things particularly geopolitics are you know endlessly fascinating for me but uh, um, you know I get paid to look at them from a dairy perspective and so that's what we um, that's what we try and boil it down to and uh, taking taking you know weather conditions as a as a, as a for starting point um, you know it's pretty well known that La Nina means wet conditions for for eastern Australia it means dry conditions for western United States and particularly California um, so we're you know we're seeing dry conditions there you know this this parts of that state in exceptional drought again um, not long after they came out of the previous exceptional drought and so um, that starts to put the handbrake on supplies there you know California is of course you know the biggest dairy producing region in in the US um, also tends to mean dry conditions I think for for uh, parts of New Zealand as well, which can uh, put a dent in that pasture curve. Uh, and, and, you know, aside from La Nina, we're seeing uh, milk production uh, constrained in Europe by dry conditions as well. So global dairy supply is uh, is very constrained at the moment. We're not seeing a heap of milk out there. Um, you know, we're, we're talking growth rates of, well, they're either negative or they're, you know, 0.1%, 0.2% across major dairy exporters. And so... Um, that that provides a lot of reassurance, even when prices are falling. Um, that there's there's only so much, um, you know, there is a floor under the market somewhere. That supply and demand um, tension will be uh, will be re-established. So 
Uh, so yeah, weather's weather's impacting that. Geopolitics, um, of course, the same in, you know the same factors impl- impacting energy costs. Well, for for starters, those energy costs flow through to you know things like milk powder production in in, in Europe. Um, you know you you can't really be running your powder dryer at full ball when gas prices are uh, you know record highs and there's a shortage of Russian gas in Europe. Um, so that's you know we, we see that impact impacting the um, uh, you know where the milk goes. There'll be a lot less milk powder we expect coming out of Europe in the coming months. Um, and you know the same geopolitical factors again impact um, impact buying behaviour. So um, you know trade in and out of regions. But um, you know one particular pickup at the moment is uh, is COVID, which you know we've got this far through, John, without even mentioning or m- mentioning in brief. Um, uh, but in the, in many Chinese cities, lockdowns are still happening, and and that impacts consumer activity, uh, inca- impacts discretionary consumption, and, and dairy is a big part of that. So. Um, so one of the reasons we've seen dairy prices falling in, in the last few months is uh, is that reduced buying out of China. So um, yeah, there's a whole uh, a whole spectrum of things going on there. But um, you know the net impact at the moment, you know the short version is that uh, we see markets regaining balance in the short term. Um, yes, demand has softened, but I think supply is is even weaker at the moment. So there's lots of uh, things there to to work through. John, if someone was um, either downloading the Situation Outlook report from the Dairy Australia website or they happen to receive a hard copy of it from, say, one of the regional offices, uh, how long would it take them to actually read through the report or um, to read through, say, the executive summary? Well, the executive summary is uh, is two pages. so. Uh... That's not a not a huge investment of time uh, to get the uh, uh, to get the broad brush view of markets, and then there's um, you know the the articles are, are two pages each, and there's two of those and a few charts at the end if you're a more visual uh, person. Uh, we've really tried to um, work this uh, this this report down to a template that's really easy to digest. Um, you know, nobody's got time to sit down and read 100 pages at a time of. Uh, of, of boilerplate and, and, and things that analysts might find interesting that um, that probably aren't directly relevant day to day. So it's a uh, we think it's a pretty accessible report. We're obviously happy to hear feedback on that if there's ways to make it even more so. But uh, um, yeah, we, we we try and have it more as a uh, more as a signpost, as I said at the start, on where to focus. And uh, you know, there's always uh, other resources from from DA and elsewhere to, to dig deeper. Terrific. And finally, um, some of the people listening to this podcast might be familiar with the In Focus publication, which comes out from Dairy Australia every year. What's the core difference between the In Focus publication and the Situation and Outlook reports, which I understand there are four of each year? Yeah, correct. So, so Situation and Outlook is um, is is the near term past, but but it's more focused on you know. The, the outlook, the short term, you know, the, the future. What's what's going on? What's coming over the hill? Um, you know, when we talk about the the recent past, it's more as a you know to inform uh, what we see coming because you know events that happen now will be impacting markets you know in a few months time. Uh, in focus is is more of an almanac kind of document. It's a um, a collection of key industry data over the past year and, and published you know going back going back you know decades or more so uh, if you want to know what milk production was in you know 1972 for example you know you can find that in in focus Uh, it's a real reference guide as opposed to a a here and now and you know 
next week, next month kind of Outlook document like SNRs. Terrific. Okay. I like the fact that you used Almanac um, in that uh, in that answer. That's a word I haven't heard for a while. That's a word that doesn't get used enough. <laughs> Terrific. Uh, John, drop it. Thank you very much for your time and for giving us a Cook's tour of the Situation Outlook report for this month uh, in September. A pleasure, John. Thank you. See you next time. If you want to read the full September 2022 Situation and Outlook report, you can find it at dairyaustralia.com.au forward slash Sando. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and remember, there are plenty more on a broad range of dairy industry topics covered in the Dairy Pod program. So don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform. If you have any questions or ideas for future podcast episodes, please get in touch with us by emailing through to dairypod at dairyaustralia.com.au. Thanks very much for listening and bye for now. Mm-hmm.